0: do you guys start with just based on the assessments of the movement screen or do you start with like the very front of their delivery because what's what you start with may affect the end result so how do you process that
1: yeah well actually like whatever we, any constraints in their movement pattern we start trying to correct those right there like as far as a uh, physical movement patterns like hip mobility stuff like that we put them on uh, corrective exercises and other exercises to hand the But when we go working on their delivery, we will always start with arm action. Any disconnection in the arm action, we will try to fix that first uh, and get it connected to the spine. Let it be working with the body, not separated from the body. That's what we mean by being connected. And then we will address the other issues of the delivery, which could be lower half or torque, which most people call hip-shoulder separation, that kind of stuff. And the reason why we do that is we feel – Your arm has to be connected first because if we start working and create a better lower half and create more, for instance, horsepower going through the system and your arm is still disconnected, we're actually putting or increasing your chance of getting injured because we're putting more energy in the system and you are disconnected with your arm. So if we get the arm connected first, then we feel like we could add as much energy through the system as we possibly can. And that way you can progress in a safer, more uh, durable and steady way than you could if we just try to go out and let's just throw and you have a bad arm action or a disconnection then we're put we're actually increasing that guy's chance of getting hurt and that's the last thing we want to do when they come to us our jobs to get better and it does us no good if we get the guy five miles an hour but three months down the road he's on the shelf we didn't help that kid we have to help him stay healthy too that's the key part first because when we send him back to his high school or college coach he has to be durable. That's what that guy wants. You know, our first thing is kind of like the hypocritical, do no harm, (laughs) you know, at least send him back where he's going to be healthy and then work on getting and progressing his ability and getting better.
0: You talked about the arm being connected to the spine and I know we're on audio and there's no video. Is there a way that you can explain what that looks like through audio for our listeners?
1: Uh, yeah, the best way is the body just – the arm just moves with the body. The body is the main contributor. Uh, you'll see guys that the arm looks like for better – and it just gets away from the body. It's like separate pieces moving. The body's moving one way and the arm's moving another way. That's disconnected. And then you see guys like a lot of – you know, like Zag Grinke and those guys who arm just kind of just moves along with their body. It's like their arm is just – reacting to what their body is doing and they're not their arms not leading the way so it's hard to explain but it's one of those things where we see the spine initiates the movement in the arms that's what we mean by being connected it's not where really the arms start moving first and then the body tries to play catch up with the rotation and stuff it's hard to show without pictures but that's the best way to describe it is, uh, the rotation the rotation of the body and the arm starts from the spine and moves outward. It's just like a hitter. Most guys can understand when a guy has a connected swing, the body is turning the barrel of the bat, and then when they have a disconnected swing, their hands get away from their body and their arms are swinging the bat. It's kind of the same way with throwing. If you can imagine, it's just my body is turning my arm and making it lay back and deliver the ball instead of, getting my hand away from me and the arm getting or the hand getting way away from me as I start rotating way away from my head and disconnected. So it's kind of the same premise with hitters and pitchers. It just, you have to look a little different. Now the the hand is the, is the bat part for the pitcher instead of the basically same thing. The hands get away with the bat. If the hand gets way away from the body and the delivery is disconnected.
0: Oh, that's a great explanation. If we were going to look at, uh, some professional pitchers that seem to have connected arms, uh, who would you recommend?
1: Well, Greg Maddox, because uh, you can always go find him. He was un- one of the most connected persons of all time. Nolan Ryan, I always suggest go look at Hall of Famers because more than likely they were really connected because they had to stay healthy, they had to be really good, and they had to do it for a long period of time. Okay, so you you can't be disconnected very often to get away, and and those three things happen. You know, Nolan Ryan, Greg Maddox, Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, uh, Roger Clemens, they all threw differently, but they were all fairly, they were all really connected in their delivery. Nowadays, it gets harder and harder to find guys that are connected. Yeah, you know, um, guys are muscling the ball up a little bit more. You know, they're putting a lot of energy through the system, and they're able to throw it hard, but it's not in the most efficient way sometimes or the most connected uh, way now. So it's it's harder to find guys. So I always advise when we have kids come and they say who to look at. I say, go find Hall of Famers or guys that have been all-stars and they've been pitching for, you know, eight plus years, healthy, you know, no major issues or anything. And those guys, nine times out of 10, are going to be the guys that are really connected. So, you know, the flavor of the year is not necessarily always the best guy to go look at just because he's really good this year doesn't mean he's not going to be injured next year you know let him have some track record and usually when they have a track record of logging a lot of innings staying healthy that kind of stuff over multiple years then those are the guys that you want to try to go see and start studying
0: so in essence what you're saying is just do what the best ever have done
1: Yeah, that's that's the best way. And and visual is the best way of of learning and just imitation. You know, I know when I grew up, I, you know, I would I'd try to be Nolan Ryan in the backyard or I would try to be Dwight Gooden or Roger Clemens or whoever was pitching, you know, that was really good at that time. And that's what you do. You see them and we would go. They do that a lot in the Latin countries. You know, their their best teacher is watching Pedro pitch and try to go throw like Pedro that's that they don't have the coaches in the individual structure at younger age sometimes and sometimes that may actually be a, a benefit to them because they get to experiment and feel how their body moves freely and not ha- anytime they make something that doesn't look good to the coach's eye movement gets corrected right away when that might not be what how their body wants to move everybody's body's going to move a little bit differently you know you just got to figure out what's going to work For them, but long as it's within that ramification of being connected. Nolan Ryan and Pedro threw different, but you know, if you tried to make Pedro throw like Nolan Ryan, we probably don't have Pedro Martinez or vice versa. Probably make Nolan Ryan try to throw like Pedro Martinez. We don't, we didn't have Nolan Ryan. So sometimes that you have to let them have that freedom of, of trying to figure some things out just with guided discovery. And what I mean is, hey, this is the path I want you to go down. Keep it between the bar ditches okay that's all you got to do and just give them a wide road and let them kind of figure out you know let them figure what's what the, what feels best for their best arm slot what them feels better on how much pelvic load they need to get or how much glute load they get long as they are doing everything within the, the ramifications of being connected more you know some guys will get more some guys will get less but it's what they can do and what they can connect and what they can load and what they can unload efficiently and they need to have that freedom to get to do that a little bit within their, within the course. And that's kind of how we try to help map out their plan. We try to give them that guideline of here, 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 and here. And, you know, just stay within that ramification and everything should be okay.
0: Well, and something that, that I've used in my career is you haven't taught until they've learned. And it sounds like that is right in line with, with my thinking.
1: Yeah, exactly. We want, we want, I don't want them to be robots. I don't want them to have to be told every single thing. Uh, I cuz I'm not going to be out there with them on the mound. I'm not going to be back, you know, we get guys from all over the country and actually from different countries that come see us all the time. I'm not going to be back with you at home next month. Okay, you're going to have to think for yourself and figure some things out for yourself. And that's what we want to do is teach them how to be their own best pitching coach. And that's how I always said it. My my job is actually to eliminate my job. Okay, if that don't ever happen because there's always more growth that can happen. But that's what we want to tell the player. We want you to become your own best coach, your own best guy, your own guy to keep progressing and moving forward. And the guys that really take charge of that are the guys we see that really, really gain really quickly in whatever area they're working on.
0: So on average, how often do you see the players that you work with?
1: Uh, uh, this works vastly different. I mean, we have everything from three-day boot camps to our summer programs, which are 10 weeks long, So, but majority of our guys will come for a three-day boot camp to start with, so we'll see them for these three days. We send them off, and when the, after they left, they have a, a guideline, individualized plan for them, and then we have an online program that we offer to them then after that, and most, a lot of guys take us up on that, and then they send in uh, new videos and new. they fill out the workout sheets that they were given and information. They send that in every month. We reevaluate it and send it back out to them. So we could see a guy for uh, three days, and then he comes back six months later, or we can see a guy three days, and he does ongoing training. We can see a guy uh, in our summer program, I'm fixing to come up. We'll have guys that will come in for two weeks at – sessions or guys that may stay for the whole summer which is 10 weeks long so that's the hard part of where it comes is we get such a variety of of different stays and time frames for what people can handle because you know not everybody can just come and stay for 10 weeks it's not into it's not in their plan you know or their, their structure of what they can do so we try to best get whatever that guy is whatever his time frame is we just try to maximize what it what we can get done in that period of time and help him with whatever we could do and move on from there. So we, you know, naturally would we like to see them for 10 weeks every summer? Absolutely. (laughs) You know, where we can really work with them, but realistically that's not feasible. So uh, we have to do the best we can with the time we have for those guys.
0: Now I'm sure you guys still work with players who are in season. So can you tell us the differences between in season workouts and off season workouts?
1: Yeah, yeah, we do it all the time. We we tell guys, you know, we basically have four types of four times a year. We have we call it off season one. It's the off season right after your season because uh, that's a different time for most guys. That's a time when we have to start. We're not ready to push the envelope yet because you just probably went through a full season. Your body needs a little recovery time. But sitting on the couch, drinking a Dr Pepper, and eating Doritos is not recovery. Okay, so we, we have a plan for that period, and it's really short. It's usually about a two to four weeks uh that part. And then we have our normal offseason, which that's now ramping up and pushing the envelope, and we call our offseason times your time to try to increase your ability, which means throw it harder, create more spin on your breaking ball, whatever it is, your ability, things that coaches and scouts measure. That's what players don't understand sometimes. We say they are measuring your skill. They're not measuring your skill most of the time. Your skill level could be great, but if your ability level isn't to that next level, then it doesn't matter on your skill. So basically, if you don't throw hard enough for what they're looking for, they kind of look at it the other way. It just has to have certain things at certain levels. So you need to increase your ability to try to get to that next level. Then we switch to preseason time. Now preseason time is now we're still working on ability some, but now we are moving in to honing or enhancing our skill set, which is command work, throwing the ball where we want to, fine-tuning the delivery, uh, that type of stuff uh, starts taking place. In off-season, it's about 80% ability work, 20% skill work. Then in that preseason time, it turns into about 50-50. We're working on ability and working on skill, and then when the season turns around, it switches to about 80% honing skill and 20% of just trying to keep our ability where it's at or make sure we we increase a little bit, which is really hard in the season. But the big thing is you still have to work on your ability some in season, so I still have to push the envelope a little bit at times, or it starts regressing. So that's how we kind of break it up. So our in-season time is skill honing or enhancing more but making sure we still get a little bit of at least one or two days a week of where we're doing a little bit of making sure our ability stays where it's at or trying to slightly increase it which is you know orange street stuff or velocity enhancement or really just working if it's breaking ball stuff working on spin whatever whatever your ability level is we have to make sure we can keep that because We've all seen as coaches that guy that's regresses as a season goes on, velocity starts dropping, breaking ball starts getting flatter, all that, because all he did was work on skill only during the season and that starts reducing and, and going back. His ability started regressing and he couldn't keep his velo where it was or his breaking ball as sharp as it was because he'd never truly worked at that max effort between outings ever. You know, you have to do it a little bit. You have to be careful on how much to do it. But between outings, you still have to work at max effort on some things once or twice a week.